Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Human Behavior Show, um, the podcast I've been running for a few months now. Um, and we love discussing a lot of different topics here, a lot to do with health, tech, psychology. And today we have a neuroscientist joining us to discuss about achievement, what achievement means, how the human brain can be wired to perform better what we kind of want from our life in terms of achievement, how you can build habits. So we'll be covering a range of different topics in this podcast. And if you're not already subscribed, you can follow me here on Colin, but also over on Spotify and podcasts. It's the Human Behavior Show. We've done more than 40 episodes now and um, super excited to do this one as well. Um, trying to get more and more brain experts on podcast as well. And we'll be open to ideas. If anyone has any subject ideas, then um, feel free uh, to hit me up on Instagram and then we can um, get your uh, input as well. But here we have Dr. Roshanak here with us today. So welcome, first of all, Dr. Roshanak. Um, she is a computational behavioral and clinical neuroscientist, and this is going to be a, a great show. Dr. Roshanak would love for you to introduce yourself to the listeners. Hi, can you hear me? E Yep, loud and clear, Dr. Oshanak. Awesome. Thank you so much. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for inviting me. So, hello, everybody. I am Dr. Oshanak Hashimun. I am a computational clinical and behavioral neuroscientist, speaker, and consultant. I help people and businesses become more purposeful, effective, and prosperous. My background is in computational, clinical, and behavioral neuroscience, as I said, but I've taken that information and I've moved into using all my background in science and medicine to bring it out to the general public so I can help people become, as I said, more purposeful and, and more prosperous. People are really confused right now and having a hard time. And science should be able to serve to help people live better lives. Dr. Roshanak, really, really happy to have you here. And Dr. Roshanak hosts some great uh, shows um, with regards to kind of the brain, neuroscience, and, and lucky to have her here today. So Dr. Roshanak, what is, what is between like behavioral computer, uh, neuroscience, computer, computational neuroscience, and uh, clinical neuroscience? And do you combine all three? Yes. As a matter of fact, my bachelor's is in behavioral neuroscience, and that's fairly self-explanatory. It's really understanding the biological basis of behavior, and we are very biologically driven. We can talk about that a little bit more. Um, I got my PhD in my work uh, in computational neuroscience, which is really um, trying to understand how the brain works with respect to information processing, not in a reductionist way, but how that information processing occurs through the connection of different parts of the brain in the way that the brain might be using um, some physics and mathematics um, and different algorithms in order to be able to do that sort of really powerful information and complex information processing of which it is capable. And I applied that background in computational neuroscience where I worked in uh, looking at different um, frequencies of, um, uh, it's, they're called oscillations, um, populations of neurons that come together and work in a particular time frame. Um, and I used that and I applied it in the uh, clinical world using deep brain stimulation neurosurgeries as sort of the platform to understand different neurological and psychiatric disorders. And the work that I did specifically 
which was, I think, particularly helpful, was in Gilles de la Tourette syndrome, where I helped to explain the um, basis of tick genesis in Tourette's. And what you do is you look at the pathophysiology of the brain. These there are there's circuits that are responsible for things like Parkinson's, essential tremor obsessive compulsive disorder, just so many of these neurological and psychiatric disorders. And you look at where there might be a problem in the circuitry, and then you try to understand that using that information processing from the background of computation or science. And we ended up finding that there were certain frequencies that were not working properly. Kind of like when you're on the phone and you go, can you hear me now? And not enough information is coming <laughs> through. Or if it's really loud and you're like, oh, can you like lower that noise? It's it's too much. And again, there's just not really good, clean, faithful information processing. So that's all three of those. It sounds um, brilliant. It sounds um, really in-depth as well and super complicated. But today on some of Dr. Shanak's work and, and her expertise in achievement and how, you know, we can prime the brain to achieve more. Um, I know, Dr. Shanak, you talk about time, energy, um, and awareness as well, and how attention and how we can kind of utilize our brain to kind of optimize um, our achievements. So first of all, I want to ask you, um, can you tell us about how the brain works kind of from a very simple standpoint on how you can be using your brain to start optimizing achievement. We're in a very kind of achievement driven world where, um, you know, we use many different cognitive processes, be it creative, be it mathematical, be it language to, um, learn skills and then master them and then go to greater and greater achievements um, and sometimes that can also lead to burnout as well. So I'd love for you to kind of shine some light on this subject. Absolutely. Thank you. So talking about performance, achievement, productivity, these kinds of things are, are definitely up in my wheelhouse. I really appreciate it. Well, the first thing I can tell you is um, for us to do well, we need to have uh, good access to our cognitive resources and um, to also have good memory, right? And the first thing that happens when we start to get really stressed out is we make bad decisions and we don't have good memory. So right there, if you want to optimize for achievement, what you want to do is understand stress and start to uh, deal with stress. And that's really um, quite relevant when we're looking at our world today because everybody is just so very stressed out. Um, and we could talk about, I'm just going to give like a quick overview. So that's one place where we would start to look. Um, and the ways that chronic stress then also lead to um, mood destabilization. And we have been in a global mental health crisis since before the pandemic, and it's only been exacerbated by that. So when we're looking at being able to achieve what we want, why do we want to achieve? Do we just want to be achieving machines or do we want to have really meaningful, good lives? And so for me, the joy of achievement is the joy of bringing forth what is the unique set of gifts and blessings that you have that you can offer into the world that nobody else can. And everybody ha is that way. We are all unique, as unique as our fingerprints. So when we're achieving, we're, we want to achieve for the sake of a meaningful life. The number one regret of the dying is, I wish I'd lived a life that was true to myself rather than what others wanted for me. 
So let's look at the root of achievement. And I think the problem is we jump over all of that to go, how can I achieve more? How can I produce more? And then we do burn down, burn out, break down. Um, we get to, you know, we tick off all the boxes and we're unfulfilled. And so those kinds of things, I think, are really um, fundamental. And then we look at how those also interact with our brain and body. What allows us optimum achievement is being aligned with what we truly desire. And then we've got intrinsic motivation, which allows us to have those long nights, but joyfully, you know, we work harder, but it's great. And that allows us to achieve optimally while still having joy. And also we don't have these issues of that kind of stress that is known as distress rather than eustress, E-U-S-T-R-E-S-S, that serves us well. Eustress makes us sharper and more productive, whereas distress um, breaks down that sort of optimum window of productivity. And we think that to have optimum achievement, we've got to put in 100% effort. And actually, it's been shown that 60 to 85% effort is where we uh, get maximum performance. And that you can take it from ancient um, realms like samurai training and bring it into uh, the present day, um, going from Eastern tradition to, you know, Western um, fitness and we look at Olympic training and powerlifting and they've got what's known as the rule of 60%. And then when you think about uh, burnout, burnout is huge right now. And when we're talking about burnout, what we're talking about is really changes that occur in our brains as a result of um, multiple factors. There are really three. And, and we, we find that as we look at burnout, what we're doing is we're altering our neural circuits because we are not we are becoming cynical we're losing passion and so things become far more negative for us and we fall into depressions and we have extreme fatigue so this passion that i'm speaking about in the first place is very much related to burnout so that's that's just a few smatterings of some of the variables that are involved i'll come back to you and see what you'd like to do with that yeah, that's actually really interesting and really well explained, uh, Dr. Roshanak. Um, so often, you know, if you can, instead of going for the 100%, you're operating 16, 85% and you're meeting the outcomes, it could be better for your your health and, and you can go for longer. It's kind of, you know, a sprint is 100 meters, right? You go as fast as possible or a marathon, you go really slow, but somewhere in between, where you're operating at a high capacity, but, you know, you're still in it for longer and you can achieve a lot more that way. So when it comes to attention, what um, dictates our attention? How can we become more attentive in such a distracted world? Is there things you can utilize, any techniques that you have um, for increased attention? Thank you. Yeah, we are in a world that is just full of distraction. And I think one of the reasons that we allow ourselves to be so distracted is that we are unhappy. We are not satisfied with what we've got. And that's a really important point. It all comes back to what truly lights us up. And if we don't come back to the fundamentals, which we seem to have lost in an effort to have a, a hack or a quick access, or how can I just get this thing? We lose the point of the journey. And so along the way, since we're not happy, since it's not working for us, since we're going down the wrong path, in fact, 
the business that I formed last year, my consulting firm is called Access to the Path. As we go down the wrong path, it doesn't matter what we're achieving, what we're doing. What we really end up doing is losing time and resources because we're putting so much in to overcome what we don't want. So when we're looking at distraction and we want to have better focus, we will have that intrinsic motivation that keeps us focused on what we want. When we start with understanding why we're doing what we're doing, not just as a, well, I know why I'm doing this, but as a bringing it back to what is meaningful to each of us, meaning will drive focus. We have a tremendous amount of information that comes into our brains every second. I mean, staggering. The brain is always looking to optimize for uh, that information, right? So we're talking about information processing again. And when we're talking about information processing, the amount of information that comes in, we're going to want to be very smart about where we put our attention and focus. And we'll let ourselves get distracted when we aren't clear about what lights us up. It's just very basic ways of talking about this. And we also have to now fight the fact that others are intentionally using things like uh, our reward systems to pull our attention away and keep it somewhere through that reward system. So we have two things that are working against us. One is we're not connected to ourselves and why we're doing what we're doing and how to have a meaningful life. And two is those forces, like we see it on social media, we see it in gaming, and how everything is now turning into that gaming background to keep us somewhere else and focused on what they want as opposed to what we want. And so then we start to look at the reward system and how the reward system, and that's all in the brain, functions to keep us going back for what we want. I really like, uh, yeah, the focus of what we want becomes super, super important. And with that, the purpose, I guess the purpose element comes in. You talk a lot about purpose. How important is purpose for us to kind of live a healthy life, but also, you know, achieve what we want? So purpose is everything. Purpose can keep us from getting diseases like Alzheimer's, it's been shown. It can keep us from depression. It can improve our relationships, which is everything to do with quality of life. In fact, there was a paper that just came out recently, I think it was last week, that talks about meaning in life. And one of the fundamental pathways to having a meaningful life, which we all want, we've got a fixed amount of time on this earth, is to have purpose. And that purpose is connected to what we're doing today. So to bring it back to focus is what are we doing today Right now, the actions that I'm taking, the behaviors that I'm showing today that are connected to my goals in the future. Now, let's go back to what we were saying before about passion. If you're not connected to your highest why about what those goals are, then those goals are not valuable to you, not intrinsically. Those are more superficial goals. I want a million dollars. I want to be an influencer. I want to be this. I want that. And then, but why do you want these things? Where is it getting you? So purpose is connecting our actions today to meaningful, valuable goals in the future. So it seems really important to align why you're doing something, not just really considering 
why and what makes you want to have that aim and, and what you'll achieve with that as well. So, Dr. Roshanak, I want to shift the conversation slightly. It's been super interesting about... Oh, I was just going to yeah, add one thing. Would that be okay? Yeah, yeah, go for it. So, I think, thank you. So, I think when we're... Exactly what you're talking about, when we're talking about alignment and ultimately all of this is why I'm here and I want to enjoy my life, right? The whole point of everything is I want to have a good life, right? It's a real question. Dr. Sorry. Yep, yep, yep. I, I would agree. Okay, great. So if we can agree that what we want is to have our best life possible, then having our best life possible is enjoying our life and having meaning in life. Does that make sense? Yep, that makes complete sense, Dr. Shanak. Okay. So the way that we enjoy our life is by being engaged in life, right? Yes. So when we're talking about being engaged, then it's like, am I really, I think the focus gets lost of, and tell me what you think about this, of I'm enjoying the experiences of my life because I'm engaging in life versus I just want to be happy. I just want to have everything be positive all the time. Do you see where those two maybe don't quite align? Yeah, that's a, yeah. And I've heard that you can't experience the positives if you have no negatives, right? So yes, we, t- we articulate the dark with the light and vice versa yep. and, and black and white and those things. So I think one of the things that where we put our focus to go back to your question is I want to have an engaging life rather than I just want to be happy all the time, which is not possible because happiness is an emotion that's, I think of it as, you know, if you look at the ocean, there's the stillness and the depth of the ocean. That can be our, our joy that we get from meaning and purpose in life versus these emotions that ride on top, like the waves that are coming and going and that can change fairly instantaneously. When you're in a movie, Dr. Sohaib, and it's a good movie. What makes it a good movie? Was it because you really connected with it? I think you could, yeah, you can, the entertainment value and you really connected with something. I think that, I think that really makes a good movie. And when you really connect with it, then you have emotions, right? Yep. Emotions that kind of, you ride that wave with the movie itself. Exactly. So our reality is really dictated by what we are taking in. You're not that movie. You're not in that movie. <laughs> you could be jumping up and down, excited, right? You could be crying. You could be screaming, don't go in there, you know? <laughs> and you're all the, you're, you're exhilarated. Your heart's pounding. You've got all these feelings and it's fine, right? You're engaged. That was a great movie. What if we could just see our lives as that movie? And we've got all this engagement. Then we come out of there and we go, wow, that was a great ride. That would be brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> so then we, we really want engagement, which means being present. Mm. That's conscious living. You want to be present. You don't want to avoid, barrel away, um, push through, uh, outsmart, you know, like uh, Captain Kirk. Captain Kirk in, um, in Star Trek, right? With the Kobayashi Maru, I've outsmarted the computer. It's a matter of sooner or later, it catches up with us and we want to have a meaningful life. And that means that what we're doing is not just chaotic, where we're running around 
as you said, distracted, unfocused. Let me do this. Let me get that. I got to achieve this. That's going to work. Right. And now instead there's a coherence in our lives. Yes. Yeah. That was me Things last year on Clubhouse, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> running Thank all over you. the place, not knowing what direction to go. <laughs> I could definitely relate that's, there. That's right. We want to have a coherence. We don't want to have a chaotic life. And we want that life to be purposeful, as we mentioned, where our yeah. our actions today are connected. Doesn't have to be one hundred percent. Everything you're doing all the time is da da da. We already talked about that one hundred percent. But that just that we are connected to valuable goals, right down the the road, what our future is, and then ultimately, what people want is to know that what they're doing has some sense of import and significance mm. in the world at large. We want to matter, right? And then the fourth thing, and that's what this paper was talking about that, that helps us have a meaningful life, comes back to that idea of engagement, taking time daily to appreciate the little things in your life brings you into that presence as we are when we're pulled into that movie. And now we're enjoying it along the way, whatever it is. So even sometimes you need to be sad. You need to suffer because something awful has happened. You don't want to deny that. That's what they talk about when they say toxic positivity. Yep. You're like, okay, this, this is bad. Mm -hmm. I'm going to let it be what it is, mm -hmm. but I'm not going to stay there. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to get stuck. And this then connects to our relationship with ourselves, our world, and other people. And you put this all together, and that's life. And it was a good one. What do you think about that? That's a really good way to actually how to deal with situations, but also not be overwhelmed because in something negative, it is negative, right? And you're right, this culture of let's look at the positive of everything, I think just becomes not healthy, right? I think you've explained yeah, that I just really wanted well. To, yeah, before we moved on, I just thought it was really important for us to bring that forward because your club and your podcast and all the things that you do relate to human behavior, which I'd like to think ultimately yeah. relate to how do we have our best lives, right? Yep, I would say that's exactly, that's exactly it. So I wanted to, to bring forth to your audience who's very interested, you know, this, this just to consider a little bit some of these variables that we don't really consider and we sort of brush over as we rush to find the hack. And then we tick off all the boxes and are sitting there going, well, is that all? <laughs> yeah, we're very checklist economy. We're like trying to take, right? take, 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 not really experiencing. I think it's becoming exactly. more so, right? Um, you, you don't enjoy the process as you're doing things for the fact that maybe other people have done them. You're not looking in, internally or inwardly about what do you want? What are the outcomes? You're just trying to chase. And we see this actually with... Even even the launch of apps like Clubhouse or whatever, everyone just jumped on without thinking what they want from it, right? It was just a bit of a gold rush. <laughs> and then people dropped off because they're like, hey, we didn't get anything out of it. It meet our aims. And that's what happens when, when the new shiny thing comes out, be it crypto, be it whatever. And, and that seems the human phenomenon right now. So I think this is a very useful, um, you know, way of thought processing, I'd call it, that you've kind of shared about what is a better way to look at achievement and aligning you with purpose. Thank you. And and you're exactly right. That's so important what you just said. We're rushing and we stop enjoying the journey. We stop finding the process fulfilling. So your life isn't just a bunch of checklists. It's every single minute in between. It's every single second. It's all of it. 
And so the process, if that stinks every single time, sometimes yeah. you sacrifice. But again, yeah. those are the waves on the top. And then underneath, you've got that deep sense of satisfaction and joy and peace. And mm-hmm. you see, right? As opposed to, but now we talk about things like the great resignation, where people are saying, I don't want to do that anymore. My mm. life is value, and I want to spend yeah. time enjoying it. So we're yes. seeing that now. That backlash is coming out, right? <laughs> You're right. And I'm glad you said that right now, Dr. Rishan, because that's my next question. Before we move into habits, I was helping this you question out. that's very topical. <laughs> I, I felt it coming. <laughs> this is very topical right now, which is very topical right now. Um, yes, people want experiences. Generation before, it was a lot about status and ego and safety and all of that. And yes, that's, those things are still important, like safety, for example, financial security. But people with, with Gen Z, the creator economy, people are like, hey, we don't, why do we have to? They're questioning why certain ways of work or whatever are having to be done that way, right? And COVID has kind of accelerated some of these changes. So the question is, I know you're a neuroscientist. Um, firstly, the part A of this question is, okay, where do you sit on the remote ver- work versus office work debate? Um, what is your opinion? Because for me, I know I just work a lot better when I'm in my own environment. I have more locus of control. You know, I can fit work for when my brain is working best. Um, and I just feel better myself, a better mental well-being, but also way more productive and produce better work. Where I feel office has a lot of constraints for me. And that's me personally, right? So I know kind of from a brain perspective, what you think is, is the optimum there. Um, and then part B will be, do you think a lot of companies are trying to get people back to work for more control and fear and that that kind of autonomy that remote work lends itself to, just the human desire to control people who are beneath you in a hierarchical system makes people want to have this face-to-face interaction? Or do you think there's, there's real benefits to really being in person? Wow. <laughs> Lot to unpack there. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I think, you know, I, I give this talk that's called, you can't spell awesome without me because what we want are to be awesome employees, awesome employers, awesome leaders, and, you know, do awesome work, right. And have awesome lives. And at the center, all of that is you, you know, me and, and so we have to understand that there's an alignment between the personal and the professional. And that's really important. And if you yourself are not paying attention to how you work, how you function best, um, what are the ways that support you to be able to be full, then it doesn't matter if it's hybrid, remote, or fully in office. You're just not showing up as your complete and full self. You're not bringing the best of yourself forward. So your life suffers and your work suffers. So if you think of yourself as there are three key variables to your optimized health, and that includes our professional health, right? There's the physical, the spiritual, and the emotional. And if you're not tending to all of those, then one third of you or two thirds of you are showing up at work. You're not showing up fully healthy. We just talked uh, a little while ago about how our bodies are really important when we're talking about performance and achievements and all this. And when your body, your psyche and your mental state, your psychology, you're not healthy, then you're not going to be able to do your best work, period, bottom line. The end. And so when we're talking about 
is it best to work alone or with others? We'll go back to the idea of purpose and achievement. I may work well with others at certain times and better on my own at other times. There are times when you've got other people around that really help to move forward whatever it is that you're doing. Because having a conversation, like for example, right now, stimulates our thought processes. It stimulates us to start thinking about things that maybe we didn't consider before. We start making associations and then we can become more creative and innovative in the ways that we might approach something that wasn't there before. Because if I'm stuck in my own head or in an echo chamber, how's that going to work for creativity and innovation? On the other hand, when I'm on my own, Einstein was a huge fan of daydreaming because he didn't have the language that we have now from neuroscience known as the default mode network. The default mode network is what becomes active when you're not task focused. So you're just kind of hanging around daydreaming. Your different parts of your brain are now able to make these associations because one of the things um, that happens with the default mode network is you bringing together the different aspects of um, the information that's come to you and you're putting that, you're connecting that to your memory, right? And so now what are you pulling up when you're pulling up your memory? It's not a, a file or a folder in a cabinet. It's all the things that are associated with a particular topic. And when you talk to other people, it might trigger some other association that wasn't coming. So you've got the internal that comes from the default mode network that allows you to become more creative and innovative because you've got time to daydream. And as, as Einstein did when he ended up um, being the only person in his class not to be offered a professional position as the other classmates did when he became um, a physicist, you know, credentialed physicist, but then had the time as you worked in this office, he was just doing office work to develop out a theory further and further and further and further. So we have both. It's not either extreme. We have times where we can work independently and get into that flow state that is beautiful and is connected to the default mode network um, and allows us to bring intrinsically from within ourselves uh, tremendous productivity and creativity. And there are times when we are connected with other people and they give us ideas and they allow for greater association and just even a regular like water cooler conversation when you then later on are in your default mode network will bring in that information that seemed to have absolutely no connection. And now you've made a connection between these. Also, there's something to be said for having a, that human connection. It helps us to be healthier. And we saw that during the pandemic. We need each other. We need to be able to gauge ourselves within our environment. We need the oxytocin we get from looking into someone else's eyes. We need that comforting touch or that information that gets shared just when we're having a conversation just like this. So all of those things then come back to talk about how important relationships are and how there's no substitute for having that human to human interaction but also there are times when you work best on your own. I absolutely love that, Dr. Oshanak. I, because I'm a big advocate of remote work and um, I've been remote for three years and it just has been a change to how I operate. And it's, I think it always suited me. And I think someone who, who 
I've suffered from migraines previously. I think I am super sensitive to the stimuli around me when I'm trying to focus. My brain's just going off and I struggle with certain environments and um, I'm, I'm glad the world has changed how it has, right? I, it's so funny because I'm the same way. If I'm right, like when I was writing my thesis, boy, you couldn't come with it. You couldn't be on the same floor <laughs> as me, right? Because people like you and I can become really laser focused yes. and do mass- and be massively productive but for that fixed amount of time. Exactly, exactly. So it's smart, right. So then that's why I think um, this mandate, I mean, Holland, the Netherlands has made remote work illegal right now. Um, and I think if, if, if you have, I think empowering companies who have smart employees should give the employee a choice, right? If someone has achieved a certain level, I mean, look, just me with my qualification, I think, It'd be weird for us to be in a position where someone is mandating us for to us to come in for work, for example, right? If we're operating so successfully remotely. Um, and it's it's interesting. I've just seen this kind of change recently with governments, especially in the UK, where they're trying to get people to come back to the office. And I just don't see the rationale behind it. I can explain that to you. It's because it's the old hierarchy model. Yeah. It goes back to the old hierarchy model. And people really, they, you know, it was a, almost like a fail safe version of working where each person had to do what they did in their own little cubby. And then they went to the person above them to be told this is okay. And then that person does their like circumscribed work and it goes to the next one and then the next one and then the next one. But really what was happening is we were being treated as children and we're being treated as children. Right. And it's, and it's unfortunate for the companies because they're not getting the most out of their workers. Yeah, yeah. Because when you do have connection, now you've got to, you know, so there are um, areas in the brain that are specific for understanding yourself but in the context of your environment. And so you can take that in, in comparison with collaboration or in comparison with competition. But when you're in collaboration, you have a vested interest in that other person doing well, because when they do better, you value yourself at a higher level without having changed anything. So when I feel that you and I are working together and I'm going to talk about how important yeah. that word is, then when you, it, and we don't have to be in the same place. So team doesn't matter together matters because when I feel that we are in one place together, you're an extension of me in some way, then the better you do, the better I do, the better you look, the better I look. And I want you to do better. And when you're talking about companies and you're talking about employees and you're talking about teams, you want that connection. And it's been shown that when people are working in teams, they don't do their best work. But when they are, when that word together comes in and they feel connected, even if they are physically separated or even remote. So it can be offices that are separated, you know, cubby holes, floors, whatever you name it. But if they feel that they're really working together, they put in the extra hours. They, they shift from that extrinsic motivation, you know, holding the carrot in front of you, to an intrinsic motivation. So now when we go back to what you said in the very beginning of this conversation about energy, now you're talking about an, a source of energy that is powerful and continual. See what I mean? I have to say, I, I've, I love that, how you've, how you've explained that. And absolutely something I've been thinking. And, and it's you took the thoughts out of my mind. <laughs> the answer you gave was exactly what my thoughts had been, thinking that, yes, it's that old hierarchical model. It's a shame when we see you know forward-thinking CEOs, Silicon Valley, et cetera, just going remote and, and realizing and, and looking at and focusing on 
employee creativity and that's kind of the futuristic company they're looking at but still in in more archaic or hierarchical or traditional societies it's like no we need to control our employees they have to feel like there's someone on top of them and i think people do their best work when they feel free and they feel like they can make decisions and they're empowered and there's that's a lot of resources yeah exactly. exactly you empower exactly. them exactly but you exactly. have to you, you want to empower them in, in a way that involves alignment Yes, And when we're talking about those old models, there is no alignment there typically. Yes. And the new distributed model, that's really important to look at because, because you want to empower, you, you want to shatter the old model that demands, right? And bring in a new conscious creativity. That's the new model. It's distributed. Um, I know what, why you need what you need. Mm -hmm. So now I know where to put the emphasis from all the information I have. You're not in my head. You don't know what I know and I don't know what you know, but we have that overlap. There's that distribution, right? So when we have that conversation and we connect, whether it's remotely on phone, on whatever, or when we're around each other, that communication, which is key, brings us to a place and an alignment and a vested interest that allows for that optimized achievement that serves both the individual and the company. I think for any company looking, listening to this, I would definitely take Roshanak's advice on board uh, when it comes to, especially with startups, I work a lot of startups, um, forming that culture early on. And Roshanak, to finish off the final thing, I know you know a lot about this, but we can maybe make it short. Habits. Habits are key to kind of our outcomes, um, our day-to-day behaviors. What are some of the best ways to form good habits? Oh, I love that question. Um, habits, and this is one of the reasons why we like to have uh, people connecting with each other live, is that you can break habits when you are in situations that now give you new environmental cues, right? If you're always in the same environment, then you're going to be queued up to do the same behaviors, and that's a habit. So when we're talking about things like this, boy, I love this. Very quickly, it is easier to create a new habit than to try to change an old one. Let's start with that. The other thing that I can tell you is that habits come from behaviors. Behaviors come from beliefs. Beliefs are connected to your identity. And now we go back to the original thing of why are you doing what you're doing? And so you can either roll the rock up the hill and create these habits that are going to eventually work, uh, but could break down. So let's, let's do a really quick explanation. It's January. Everybody is like, I'm going to get into this habit <laughs> of going to the gym. Everybody's got resolutions. They want to do this. They want to do that. They want to do the other. The gym's the easy one. In January, the gym is packed full. And by February, definitely March, there's like one guy left in the gym. Why is that one person still there? Because they didn't do that extrinsic motivation of trying to create habits that were not aligned with their beliefs. So if you're trying to, let's say, lose weight and you believe that you are out of shape, overweight, an unhealthy person, you're going to create habits to try to overcome that. That is not energetically efficient. When we're talking about performance, not a great idea because you have to work hard to keep that habit going and to keep feeding it. But if you shift your identity, your belief of yourself, doesn't mean like you're blind and you say, well, I'm in perfect shape. No, 
I can be in better shape, but I believe that I am someone who is fit, who is worthy, who is beautiful, who is whatever. Now you're going to automatically choose better foods. Take the, uh, take the, take the walk instead of the, you know, transportation, different behaviors that are aligned with that belief. And they will quickly become habits that are easily sustainable. There are new habits that come from new beliefs that are from a new identity. They're more quickly going to become gelled and they're going to be easily sustainable and require much lower energetics. Now the rock is rolling down the hill from the top, which is your set of identities and beliefs. Thank you so much for that, Dr. Shanak. I think that's a really good place to end. I know you have a lot you could talk about with the brain and habits and so much more, but I know we wanted to keep this podcast um, to a certain time limit as well. And, and I'll get you back on the show at some point as well. And Sorry for those that. who don't know, doc, <laughs> Dr. Shanak has a lot of different, um, I'm just going to ask her where she can be followed. But before that, she has a lot of um, shows she's done on the Human Behavior Club. And um, you can always follow that content, listen to it on various different topics, be it happiness, be it relationships, um, so many different things that we just can't touch on on, on one podcast alone. So we wanted to focus on achievement and I thought habits would be a good, a good um, ending. So Dr. Shana, where can people follow you and uh, sign up to anything you're offering as well? Would love for people to know that. Thanks so much. So uh, the best way to connect with me is to, Go to accesstothepath.com, accesstothepath.com. And um, I have a website there, and actually there's a new one coming. You can drop in your name and your email. You can also book a complimentary consultation with me there. I am on Clubhouse. Again, that handle is at Access to the Path, also on Instagram. So on, across all handles, it's Access to the Path. And I am actually running a, pro, a new program with Johnny Nash and it's called JR for Johnny and Roshanak, JR Private Sessions. And we can go to jrprivatesessions.com and uh, sign up to be included in this beautiful four-week program where we help people connect with some of the different things we've discussed so that they can achieve ultimate success, a life that's deeply meaningful, that is purposeful, and that allows them to have their highest level of achievement. Thanks so much, Dr. Sahib. That sounds actually amazing. So I highly encourage people to sign up to that as well. And if you're not following, follow um, the Human Behavior Show. Um, this podcast will be available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts as always. We'd love kind of some ratings and reviews. And if you're a computational clinical neuroscientist, if that doesn't say Human Behavior Show, I don't know what does. <laughs> so I'm glad to have that. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Rochelle, it's a mouthful, but, but I, I remember when I first saw your profile, I read those things, I was like, this exactly what I'm interested in. Maybe an element of machine meets com brain is, is probably the next step. <laughs> well, but I otherwise, talk quite a bit about consciousness, so there's that. That would be a really good follow-up, interesting. I, I will definitely get you back on the show at some point, but thank you so much for making time today. And guys, Thank you so much for inviting me, appreciate it. No, as always, guys, do follow Dr. Roshanak, and I will catch you in the next show. Thank you, everyone. Bye.